Every haunted place has a story with a dark past. This is Ghost Encounters Podcast. Due to the graphic and violent nature of the things discussed on this episode, listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, all you spooky people, to the 12th episode of the first season of Ghost Encounters Podcast. I am paranormal investigator Justin Torok. And I'm Jordan, the group scientist. Eric and Kayla could not make it with us today. Kayla's in Disney again, and Eric is in Jamaica and did not invite us. Bitch. Um, <laughs> but speaking of Jamaica, uh, there's actually a haunted plantation in Jamaica, which I think we should do an episode on. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to put some uh, research stuff on Eric since he could not make it today. Yeah, make him do some work. <laughs> but we are back. Our break was a little bit longer than intended. Um, things just kept coming up, but we are back. Um, we are ready to give you more episodes and uh, finish off the first season of Ghost Encounters podcast. Today we are talking about what paranormal investigators consider one of the most haunted places in the world. And it's definitely in the top three haunted places in Pennsylvania. We're going to be talking about Penhurst. It's formerly known as Penhurst State School and Hospital, but people around here from Pennsylvania know it as Penhurst Asylum. So Penhurst State School and Hospital was built in 1908. It's located in Spring City, Pennsylvania, which is about 35 miles outside of Philadelphia. This was built for a specific reason. Uh, we're talking about the early 1900s, okay? So young people with disabilities or handicapped people the mentally challenged, the mentally insane, they were very looked down upon. And people who had children with these kinds of issues, uh, it was kind of looked down upon. So a lot of times they kind of just threw their kids away, uh, which is awful. Yeah, and young people with disabilities were thrown into jails or workhouses, but eventually the state decided that they needed a facility where they could separate these special needs people from society to quote unquote protect society and also give them skills so that eventually when they're released, they could actually live successful lives among society. Um, so the institution's goals were actually based on the eugenics movements. So they were their goal was to basically eliminate like undesirable genetic traits from the human race. So um, basically they thought that genes needed to be protected and that these people were inferior and um, they would try to basically go through selective breeding and these people that were inferior, they felt that they needed to become sterile or be separated from normal society. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awful because, like, the, the kind of people that would be thrown in here were mentally disabled, epileptic, um, or just simply troubled. I could name ten people right now that I know that are friends that would have been thrown into this place yeah. because they fit in those categories. My fiancé's um, dad has epilepsy, and he's... He would have been stuck in this kind of hellhole, basically. Exactly. Um, and but they would send infants. Yeah. If they knew right off the bat or, if, you know, could have a cleft palate, something, whatever. If it was disabled or if it was born to deformity, thrown right into these kinds of places. That's so sad. Yeah, it's absolutely awful. But you said some of them were actually even sterilized? So society wanted these people with disabilities and such to be sterile. They didn't want them to reproduce. Yeah, at all. So basically at Penhurst, even though it's never, it's not on record or anything like that, but there were rumors, like severe rumors that they would basically sterilize these people while they were 
basically incarcerated <laughs> in yeah. this asylum. And if people don't know what sterilization is, it's basically like getting your tubes tied, which is a good way of saying it, or, you know, men's vasectomies. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Because they did it to people at a young age, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's completely awful. They, it, their thought process of trying to protect, protect the quote-unquote gene pool is just awful. Yeah, that's absolutely insane that they felt the need to, like, separate these people that have... It's not their fault that the, they were born that way. And they felt like they were better than them because they had some sort of issue. Right. That's just crazy to and me. And some of them were big issues. Like, yeah. just because you're mentally challenged or you're epileptic or you're a troubled kid or you have a deformity or a disability, does it make you inferior yeah. to other people? Like, those of, the, those of you that are listening, how many people do you know right now that would have been in this place? Probably a lot. Probably a lot. It's awful. Penhurst isn't just one building. It's actually a number of buildings that sits on a little bit over 100 acres. It's a huge place. Um, but this place was built in a very special way where they actually kind of made their own food, they made their own supplies, stuff like that. There was a train that stopped near Penhurst to get things that they couldn't make or produce themselves. So this entire facility that sits on over 100 acres that has multiple buildings was completely secluded from society and that's the way that they wanted it to be. Yeah, it basically was like independent on its own and it even had its own power plant. Like It did have its own power <laughs> plant too. That's crazy. Yeah, but they started getting flooded with, I'm gonna call them inmates because this place was not the, the care that these people got, they didn't get care. So I'm gonna call them inmates, not patients. It's not fair to call them patients. No. There was a quote from someone and they said, because there were so many of them and there were so few uh, nurses or caretakers that each person, each inmate, got about three minutes per year of psychiatric treatment. Let me say that again. Each inmate got three minutes per year of psychiatric treatment. Yeah, That's I have in awful. I have my in my notes that uh, they weren't given medical attention and they weren't able to talk to psychiatrists, psychologists, and um, I actually found in one of my sources that they were look when they were looking through individuals' files, they found that they spent more time participating in toothbrushing programs than anything else. Yeah, but here's the weird thing with that: only about half the freaking inmates actually had yep. teeth. It said approximately a third of the people being taught how to brush their teeth had no teeth to brush and just were brushing their gums. Yeah, so here's what would happen. The problem was, as I said, there were way too many uh, inmates at this facility. Way too many. It was only supposed to house a thousand or so. They actually ended up housing almost 2,800 people at a time. And they only had a handful of nurses and caretakers and doctors. I think there was only there was only nine medical doctors and eleven teachers, and none of these people were educated or trained to deal with special needs, disability, or troubled people. Think about that. You are having almost three thousand inmates, and you have nine doctors and eleven teachers. There's no possible way that they could take care of all these people. No way. There's no way that they can make sure that they were all clothed, that they had all eaten, that they had all bathed. And let alone, like, that would be your entire day to making sure that there would be no time to teach them skills or to actually give any kind of treatment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like within four years of 
like opening, they were already overcrowded, and then they were also under pressure to admit immigrants, orphans, and criminals. So can you imagine trying to like work with all of those different range of people? Because they were separated. They were they were classified into categories. And imagine like how how do you how are you capable of treating such a wide variety of people? Like you have sure. criminals and then you have people that are suffering from They're just mentally like, just yeah, mentally like, Whatever, yeah, like it's crazy. That's just insane. I don't know why they thought that that was a So a lot of times people were mixed and this is where a lot of trouble happened. So going back to the teeth, the reason why most people didn't have teeth is because sometimes troubled kids or mentally challenged kids, sometimes they bite. Mm -hmm. And the first offense was for a bite was to kind of scold them to get them not to bite again. But one or two more offenses, all their teeth would be ripped out. Mm thousands and thousands of children had all of their teeth ripped out in one dentist chair at this facility. So as you said before, uh, they were supposed to be split up. Um, different buildings had different names. For example, like the Quaker building, that's where they kind of housed the most difficult inmates. That was probably the troubled kids, the criminals, stuff like that. Um, but when patients would act up, they didn't necessarily do forms of torture, but they did abuse the kids. There was definitely hitting going on. Um, and, and with a talk with one of the physicians, uh, they described how they dealt with particularly like vicious bullies who traumatized the other inmates. And he described that he asked one of his colleagues which injection he could use to cause the most discomfort for the patient and without permanently injuring him. And then he proceeded to administer that injection to the bully. So there was no teaching going on. It was more like, okay, you're gonna do something bad. I'm going to punish you even worse. A lot of times, I mean, these people spent a good portion of their life at this quote unquote hospital, but they never even learned to read. I mean, there were kids that were five, six years old that were still in cribs because they didn't learn how to walk because there weren't enough teachers. There weren't enough doctors to just put padding down and teach a kid how to walk because how can 11 teachers and nine doctors take care of almost 3,000 people? It's impossible. Yeah. The abuse also went both ways. As we know, uh, the caretakers abused the inmates, but the inmates also abused other inmates and probably abused some of the caretakers as well. There was physical abuse, mental abuse, and also sexual abuse on all sides. Awful. With all this abuse, how do you determine what people are going to get into what classifications? So, I, I there's no way that everyone was in the place that they were supposed to be. Oh, no way. No way. I mean, how many different classifications were there? Well, I have that residents were classified into mental categories of imbecile or insane, physical categories of epileptic or health, and then I have a dental category of good, poor, or treated teeth when admitted. So, they had those... Like, I mean, that's, that's a, that could be like a really big group of like, if you that, have teeth or if you don't, or if you're this or that, like, you know, right. trying to group them. Yeah. There's not, and how, there's not gonna be like two sides for the whole place. It's gonna be like 18 different or 20,000. Yeah. I mean, there's, <laughs> like, a, there's a number of different buildings that were for different people, but still, how do you categorize that effectively? And how do you also do that and take care of all these people at the same time when you only have a handful of people actually do this. Yeah. That... It was impossible. So with all this going on, 
it's safe to say that people did not get better at Penhurst. No. They got worse. There were reports of fully functioning kids who would speak and be social, and when they got out, they didn't speak ever again. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, Penhurst was basically designed so that no one on the outside could get in, and also so no one on the inside could ever get out. So it's... <laughs> it's a fucking prison. Yeah, it is a fucking prison. <laughs> you can't call them patients because they did not get care. Well, it's terrible it's because prison. their families would send them there mm-hmm. because they either were unfit and then there were also, I heard stories that people didn't want to deal with their kid that had a mental disability or anything. They just sent them there to get rid of them. It was a very different social time back then. So Penhurst opened in 1908 and we're going to jump forward to 1968 where a reporter by the name of Bill Baldini did a five episode expose of Penhurst. He pretty much blew the lid off this place because the entire public got to see what was happening to these people and the lack of care and the awful conditions that they were living in. Because like we said, this place was, this place was built so that no one can get out and no one can get in. Yep. It was completely secluded, so no one knew what was going on other than the people that worked there. This five episode expose painted the picture of neglect and abuse, and it was hard for the regular viewers to stomach. Because at this time, um, a lot of, like, people see a lot of stuff today. Yeah. Even just on the regular news. Something like this would, I mean, even today, something like this would be awful for someone to to watch. Back then, a thousand times worse. Because they didn't have the violence and the gore and that kind of stuff that we have now. Yeah. So it was a lot worse. As people looked at their flickering monochrome televisions at the time, they saw images of full-grown adults with their hands and feet bound by straps to adult-sized cribs. Inmates were shown rocking and pacing and twitching. Many were severely disabled, either mentally or physically. Some were lucid, but withdrawn because of the overstimulation of all their senses from the loud screams and shrieks and the awful smell of unbathed people and feces. It was a frightening sight that needed much attention. This five-minute, five-episode expose was called Suffer the Little Children. Oh, my God. Yeah, I have that. uh, They went in, and they were so mortified, they looked at naked, ill, skeletal-looking patients that ranged from six months to five years of age tied to beds. Yeah, tied. Couldn't even get out. I have friends that have kids in that age group. Awful. Like, I could never imagine seeing any of my friends' kids, or any kids for that matter, tied down to a bed. Yeah. And left there. But people, like, by now, this place has run for over 60 years, so there's some adults still there because they just never left Mm because they couldn't, because they couldn't even function in society. Yeah. No one would take them back either. That reporter remember seeing there was one room filled with 80 cribs. And there was one caretaker oh my gosh. in that room, 80. And he remember seeing kids that were five to six years old strapped to beds. And he asked, why aren't they up and walking? And they said, there simply isn't enough time to lay down pads or mattresses and teach them how to walk. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah, it's completely awful. If it wasn't for him, 
who knows how much longer this place yeah. would have stayed open. Absolutely. He is the reason why this place was able to close and changes were able to be made. Yeah, I have in here that it says some patients were intentionally aggravated to turn violent. And um, yeah. their assaults were basically arranged by the caretakers. That's insane to me that you basically are having fun messing with these disturbed people. Yeah. That's insane. Like, I, absolutely awful. That's just evil. This place made everyone evil. Yeah. Not everyone, because I'm sure I'm sure a majority of the inmates were actually very nice, but it made just the regular caretakers and nurses and doctors evil. Mm -hmm. There's evil surrounding this entire place. There were good people probably working there, and there were just really freaking bad people working there. Of places that have dark, negative energy, these buildings, this these grounds, top them all. One of the most horrible facts that I got from that uh, five episode expose was that uh, the daily expenditure was half of what they were paying for animals at the Philadelphia Zoo. Zoo animals, this is between food and caretaking, uh, zoo animals got about $7.15 a day. Penhurst inmates got $5.90 a day, but 80% of that went to the staff. So they got 75 cents a day. Wow. Of care and food. They were eating slop. Some of them, most of them probably weren't even eating because how do a handful of people make sure that almost 3,000 people are fed? Yeah. Like even if this was back in like the 60s or whatever, that's still not enough to feed people. No. That's not at all. That's nothing. In the 79 years that Penhurst was open, over 10,000 people came through this place, but most never made it out. Over half died there. Oh my gosh. This place has its own graveyard and it has its own morgue. Think about that. That's crazy. People came, most of the people that came through here came here to die. And I bet you none of them have proper burials and gravestones. They probably are just most laying are, in most holes are, somewhere. Most are unmarked. That's terrible. But here's the craziest thing. There are not enough they would they didn't have like nice headstones it could just be like a small cross or just a stone there aren't enough graves to account for the many people that died so most of the people that are buried don't even have a marked grave oh my gosh there's bodies all over these they grounds. probably buried them all together you don't know where to put people so you just put them in a hole yeah. like together when the lid blew off of this place um all the news stations got a hold of this. And there's actually a um, Pottstown paper, which isn't too far away from here. Um, on the front page right there, it says Penhurst, the shame of Pennsylvania, a vast junkyard of wasted humans. That's a great way of putting it. That is a great way of putting it. Now, who's to blame? Do we blame all the parents that sent their kids here, even though that was the way at the time? Do we blame Penhurst itself? Or do we blame the state for, the state for funding. lack of funding and lack of support? Everybody can get it. Line them up. They all I get it. I think everyone is to blame. Yep. I, I, I'm so glad that places like this do not exist anymore. Yeah, that's just, that's just disgusting. Even though this news segment happened in 1968, Penhurst didn't shut down until 1987. After 79 years of chronic overcrowding, 
and abuse and neglect that it finally shut down. And 1987 isn't that far away. No. That's the like... fact that the school still existed and had inmates. Now, when this place closed, I'm sure there had to have been lawsuits and stuff. Did you find anything on that? So I found that in 1983, nine employees were indicted on charges ranging from slapping and beating patients, which included people in wheelchairs, and to also to arranging uh, patients to assault each other. So that's out of how many employees, nine of them got into trouble. That's not enough. That's not enough. <laughs> it's not enough. <laughs> Um, but there was also um, the Halderman case. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. Terry Lee Halderman, um, she went and tried to uh, plead her case to basically the courts. And um, this started after she visited her parents at home and they found billions of unexplained bruising on her body. And um, basically it led to the closing of Pennhurst Asylum. Oh wow, mm -hmm. she was probably talking about what stuff was actually going on. Yeah, in she Pennhurst. she uh, de in very vivid detail talked about the patient abuse. She talked about broken bones, people losing their eyes, rape, you name it. She Jeez. put it on the table for them, but it took years for them to actually listen to her. So after she pled her case in court about all the basically terrible things that happened to them, they sent her back. They sent her back to Penhurst. They sent her the back. Her parents didn't even just like take her home. That's awful. Yeah. I don't know why her parents let her go back there, but I know that I'm not sure exactly how many years, but it took her years to go back home. So it closed 1987. This place that was once filled with, I mean, there wasn't a window that didn't have screams and shrieks and yells coming out of them. Fall silent. So let all that sink in. We're gonna take a little break and we're gonna come right back with some spooky tales about Penhurst. Ghost Encounters Podcast is sponsored by the Eric Ledbetter team with Iron Valley Real Estate. Contact the Eric Ledbetter team for all your real estate needs. Visit theericledbetterteam.com. Also sponsored by Phoenix Fire Media. Bring the heat to your competition with expert marketing, photography, and video production. Visit phoenixfiremedia.com. If you are enjoying the Ghost Encounters podcast, hit subscribe. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ghost Encounters PA. That's at Ghost Encounters PA. To watch the Ghost Encounters show, visit ghost-encounters.com. <laughs> Okay, and we're back. So we just heard all the awful details about the history of Penhurst. Now we're gonna get into the spooky stories and tales and ghost encounters that have happened at Penhurst since it closed. Because as we know, this entire facility is surrounded by dark negative energy from 79 years of just complete awfulness. Uh, Ghost Adventures actually went to Penhurst. It was in one of their older seasons, season four, uh, I think it was. They went to Penhurst. And uh, as you know, just like in my show, they always do an interview with the people that work there or have been there. And during one of the interviews, they were outside and they actually heard something crash inside one of the buildings. And it's crazy because this place is unoccupied. It's falling apart. 
Yeah, literally. It, it looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they went in and they thought it was on uh, the second floor, I believe, and they actually saw that a desk uh, was turned over and they thought maybe that could have been it. And when they looked on the ground, there was fresh scratch marks on the ground. A lot of these floors are covered in just layers of dust. So when new marks are made uh, in the dust, that's pretty crazy. But it's crazy how they heard that from outside. Yeah. They uh, got some stories from other people that have uh, worked there, um, other investigators that have investigated this place. Um, I know in the Quaker building, another uh, investigator heard like a little girl laughing. Um, but one of the cool stories was one of the contractors was there with his son doing some work and they looked up and they saw someone in one of the windows and they knew it was a person because they had their hands up and the curtains were drawn back on the window and then the person left and when ghost adventures went up there to check it out they realized there's actually a metal mesh in front of the windows oh i remember that i did see this episode you can't touch the curtains there's metal mesh in front of all the windows. The That's curtains insane. don't move. Wow. So the look on their faces when they when they saw this, it was like for the first time seeing people's reaction to, oh my God, ghosts do exist. You yeah. just see that pure look on their face of amazement. I mean, and how can you deny that? Like, I mean, <laughs> Honestly. You know. Two it, people saw the same thing. Yeah, you know, a breeze isn't just going to move it and you're not just going to magically see a fucking person standing there. Like, this stuff doesn't make sense. Exactly. And during the investigation, um, they had some static cams set up uh, looking down some of the hallways, and of course they heard a lot of footsteps. Um, one thing was crazy, like they always heard a lot of footsteps and then a door closing. Like it was always in that kind of pattern, that like people were going in and out of rooms or something like that. I wonder if it's, like if it's workers, and I hope to God it's the shitty workers that got stuck there. I hope so too. Um, in the tunnel, so, so one thing we didn't mention is that all the buildings at Penhurst are connected by underground tunnels. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So there are tunnels that connect every single building to each building. And they actually heard screams underneath those tunnels. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, another crazy thing that happened in that episode, um, Zach was using the video uh, Ovulus device where he has on a headset that sh is showing him uh, infrared and he can uh, see the words that are coming through the Ovulus. So the Ovulus... Uh, apparently it has a way for spirits to put in words and you can see those words and the words went through it said hit and then a moment after that a coat hanger which was on the other side of the wall fell right onto zach what the heck yeah i don't know how much good. i believe those little devices that they got going on lately but um <laughs> i mean that makes sense i, I, do, <laughs> I don't know i don't know the physics on how that device works where spirits can actually um gather words to display on screen but I just thought it was uh, it was pretty uh, yeah, crazy because it was because that coat hanger when you're looking at the footage it's on the other side of the wall and then all of a sudden they go inside and all of a sudden that, that coat hanger is falling on them on the other side of the wall yeah it was very strange that is strange um, I'm gonna go through some of the things that happen in uh, each building here these buildings on the property all have names in the Whitman building uh, which is where the infirmary is, another investigator actually caught an EVP, which sounds like someone throwing up. Yeah. In the Quaker building, which is where I said they housed um, the worst inmates, numerous shadows manifest and just disappear at will. Um, these shadows usually appear to be like small and children-like, so it's not, you're not seeing like full-grown adult 
shadows. You're seeing like small children. Yeah, I did. Shadows. I did read that there was a pretty popular um, little girl ghost that people see. Yes. There. Yeah, uh, I believe. I think it's like a small uh, girl with long black hair. Yes. Yeah. That's. Yeah. I read that somewhere. Doors open and close. Chairs rock without anyone being near them. Uh, one investigator was actually shoved from behind hard enough um, on a stairway that left deep red marks on the small of his back. Objects have been propelled in the basement, um, one of which was actually a pry bar. What and the heck? Uh, some brass fixtures have been thrown. Various objects have just been moved and thrown uh, throughout that building. And remember, that's the building where they housed the most violent inmates. Yeah. Uh, in the Limerick building, there's an apparition of a woman in old-style nurse's uniform, and it was observed by a firefighter, police officer, and a Marine. Yeah, I heard that she's nasty. I I read about that one. The very own Nurse Ratchet. Yeah, yeah, she wants you to stay. She wants you to be, like... She wants she, you to be a patient, She treats you as a patient, yeah. That's what I... That's terrifying. Listen to, yeah. That's more terrifying than a little girl ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, in the Mayflower building, uh, people see shadow people all the time, um, and, a lot of, uh, and a lot of investigators have been touched. In the Philadelphia building, um, you hear a lot of loud sounds and even voices coming throughout the building, and you can never find out which room it's coming from. In the administration building, um, you hear multiple voices at a time. Um, there's EVPs that have been caught where you just hear multiple voices in one shot. Um, and even at one time, there was an EVP of a toilet flushing. And keep in mind, this place has been closed for how many years? There is no working fixtures or running water going to this place at all. I feel like that's like my mom. Like if she was a ghost, <laughs> she'd be flushing, flushing some toilets. toilets. And in the Hershey building, uh, investigator heard the female child's voice on the third floor. So a lot of little children's spirits, a lot of, a lot of female yeah. um, for some reason. Which is, which is, uh, you know, it seems to be, the majority seems to be uh, female. I just feel bad for, like, like learning about kids' spirits. I know sometimes they would, like, talk about them being demonic and their fib fabs and whatever. But, like, when I hear about kids being stuck somewhere, especially in a place like this, like, they're not stuck in, like, a family cottage that they died in, tragically, no. of, like, smallpox. Like, we're talking, like, this is a terrible place to be stuck at. Mm-hmm. And it's so, it just really pulls your heartstrings to know that kids, kids had to went people had, had, are had stuck had to go there. through this. Yeah, absolutely awful. Uh, I'm gonna read a quote from uh, someone who uh, went to Penhurst at night, and it says, "When I went to Penhurst at night, it scared me halfway to death. When the wind blows across the buildings, it sounds like someone walking. There were dead animals there, and what looked like blood stains on equipment and the walls. Once is enough." I'm never going back, but there's this one room that was really interesting. It was strewn with papers and photographs carpeted with them, wall to wall. I didn't read the papers, but the black and white photographs looked like something from a family album. But how creepy would that be to walk into a room and it's just nothing but old black and white photographs, wall to wall? Yeah, um, I'm okay with doom and gloom, but when you start doing weird, <laughs> creepy shit, I'm not cool with that. Like, that would creep me out. Well, this is a place that I've always wanted to investigate myself. So you're, if you're saying if I got in there, you wouldn't come with? I don't know if I could say no, but <laughs> I would be freaking scared. I'd probably I've, need to run outside a couple times. <laughs> I've been to a number of places and seen some things, but I think I would be a little frightened going to this place. But it's a place that 
I have to go. I feel like I have to go. This place is also like, ghost shit aside, it also terrifies me at how run down it is. Very run down. It, there's buildings there that you aren't even allowed to go in. That They are demolishing certain buildings. I did read that. That they're yeah. tearing some down that they seem like unfit to renovate because they were trying mm -hmm. to renovate some of the buildings. But that's another reason that would kind of yeah. freak me out, anxiety-wise. So it's currently <laughs> owned by a couple that actually have turned Penhurst into a haunted house, which is where the, the term Penhurst Asylum really comes from because that's what they call it. Um, a lot of people do not like this because they think it's kind of a mockery yeah, of the I, tragedy that happened there. I was just about to say, isn't that kind of like rude to do? Like, right. <laughs> and I wonder how that enhances the paranormal activity that actually oh, happens probably, there. probably. Especially in like October during Halloween. I just feel like that would be buzzing yeah. with... Like, I would be there and I would probably be talking to somebody that's a fucking ghost and not know that right. it's not a person there. But to be fair, a lot of places like this get turned into haunted houses. Look at the, the Lake House Inn in Sailorsburg. That was a place where people went to hang themselves. Oh, jeez. And it's now a haunted house. Uh, it happens all the time. So whether you agree with it or not, it's it's there. Uh, I know people that have been there for the haunted house, and they say it's a really great haunted house to go to. If you like haunted houses, I do. Um, it's not one that I've been to yet. Um, but people that have been on it said they liked it they do do like other night tours that aren't like halloween it's just kind of like a flashlight night tour and people have caught orbs and have been touched See, and that's my things. kind of style like i'm about like doing my own little tiny little hunt but i'm not okay with people jumping out yeah. and clown out but now remember if you're ever going to do one of these flashlight tours or quote unquote ghost hunts at a place you're with a whole group of people one of the key points of an investigation is silence so that you're gonna actually hear things and so that EVPs don't get messed up and to not have a bunch of people so that your equipment isn't going haywire as well. So I I don't and agree with those group ghost hunt people things. People act dumb when they're nervous and shit like that They too, do, so. and people always, there's someone that's always coughing, someone's always <laughs> sniffling, someone's always doing something, someone's on their phone. It's, it's not legitimate way to have a ghost encounter or to do an actual uh, ghost hunt. The reason I'm a paranormal investigator is one, because yes, I am fascinated and interested, um, but I also want to find proof. And I want to figure out exactly what's going on there. And that's kind of one of the things, one of the reasons why I do it. Um, so, I mean, if you have fun in those group ghost tour things, by all means go to them, but they're kind of a joke and a mockery out on to what I do. As a profession. Tell them how it is, Justin. <laughs> Get them. This is how I feel about it. <laughs> All right, before we leave here, Jordan's going to leave you with one last incident that happened to a paranormal investigator at Penhurst. Because I found out that it turned into a haunted house and everything like that, but even so, paranormal investigators say that um, they experienced pinching and other phenomena that's not really a big deal, but the worst that I read was that people, multiple people, have felt a needle being stabbed in their neck. And that's exactly how they all described it. Back that's, to back to back. That's crazy. Different people at different times are describing the same exact feeling of a needle being jabbed into their neck, which how many needles were jabbed into how many necks over 79 years? Mm -hmm. Probably a lot. Yeah. I wonder if it's a nurse. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> if it's that scary bitch. I would be scared. like. Cause then you see that scary movie, The Nun. Like I just imagine like a scary ass nurse, old lady, right, coming out 
with a fucking needle at me. Decrepit Nurse Ratchet coming <clears throat> out and ready to stab you in the neck with a needle as punishment. Terrible. This is awful. Terrible. All right, well, that is the story of Penhurst. Uh, Jordan, this was a fantastic episode. This is one of the places that I wanted to go to so bad, so I was excited for this one. I hope Eric and Kayla are on the next one. Me too. Um, but we'll see you next time. Stay spooky. And stay away from that evil nurse. Oh, <laughs> my